To the Rice to Ricky Sanchez podcast, proudly brought to you by LL Pavorsky Jewelers, where 33 Rights to Ricky Sanchez listeners have gone to get engaged, and you Ooh. can too. Yeah, I know. Um, 707 Walnut. Walnut in Philadelphia, and always at LLPavorsky.com. I am Spike Eskin, along with the guy who knows the open better than I do now. That mm-hmm. is Liberty Ballers' own Mike Levin. Good morning, Mike. Good morning. How are you, buddy? You're, I'm good, man. You're calling me from Clearwater, Florida. I am. WIP is down here. Carlin and Reese were here Thursday and Friday, and then Decameron and Richie are here Monday and Tuesday. So I'm here. Um, I, you know, it's funny. I came down here to like assist or whatever, and I realized, I, I mean, I'm not on the radio. There's not much for me to do. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I just sat around and hung out yesterday and uh, and watched baseball. So it was good. Clearwater's good. I've never been to spring training, and Uh-oh. that's upsetting to me. You should go. Go before they're good again, I would tell you, because it. Yeah. when they're good, it it gets crazy down here, but Clearwater Beach is fun. It is not particularly expensive, and there's baseball every day, and you know what I mean? Is it very, bu- is it very buggy? No, I don't, not at all. Okay. No. That's good. No. I've been to, I've been to spring training in Phoenix. I have family in Phoenix, but never to the Phillies one. So you should go. Yeah, I, I, th- I think you would yeah. enjoy it. Yeah. I would. Um, the podcast, of course, available on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, SoundCloud, and tune in. I haven't read any iTunes reviews in a while. There are a couple of funny ones. Can I um, can I give you a couple of the funny ones? One. One? One funny one. Well, one's only got five words, so can I do two? Oh, five words appeals to me. Okay. All right. First one. Subject line. Fake news. So, uh, review, no nothings, hinky lovers, five stars. And then I thought that was funny because they call this no nothings but still gave us five stars. And then how about um, it's a shame they kicked out the third host. The show used to be great when they had three hosts. Every time Rebel used to comment, I had to pause to think about just how much my mind was blown. Now that they ran them out of town, it's still pretty good but not nearly as deep of a show. We love your five-star ratings and your reviews. We're up to 438 ratings So on our March mm. 2000. Yeah. Knocking on the door. Knocking on the door. All right. So before we get into it, we got to talk about the lottery party, right? Okay. So here's the deal on lottery party tickets, and I didn't really expect it to go this way. So for perspective, last year, in the first week or so of lottery party tickets for parking, we did, there were about 100 downloads of tickets, right? Uh, This year, um, we are, there are less than 200 tickets left for the entire capacity of all of uh, Xfinity Live. So... So if you haven't gotten a ticket yet, you should download it. If you downloaded too many tickets... Somebody start a thread on Reddit for people who downloaded too many tickets, maybe, and can trade them with other people. Um, we are like there's a, a capacity at Xfinity Live, and we are near that capacity. So um, there is a possibility that we will set up 
that that closer to the event, and I've talked to the Xfinity Live people, we could maybe do something with more tickets closer to the event and do something outside. The problem with outside is if you're if you're if they have a concert there or something, right? At Xfinity Live. And by the way, thank you for Xfinity Live to Xfinity Live in in wrapping their arms around this and and doing everything they can to help promote, which is one of the reasons that we're almost out of tickets. Um, there's if you're at a concert at Xfinity Live, there's a stage outside for a concert, so they have a lot of room out there. If we were to do outside of the lottery party, there's nothing out there. <laughs> there's nothing to do. So they, that, that's the problem is that when the lottery happens and everybody's watching the big screen and celebrating, there would be, I don't know, 1,000 or 2,000 people outside watching nothing. And we, we just aren't there's really. Little t- there's little TVs out there, aren't there? Yeah, but I, I feel like if you – so maybe what we'll – we're going to have a discussion closer to the event and that maybe we release a ticket that is like – that is an outside ticket, so you can, so we can have the, you know, there are little TVs outside, but I, I would hate for somebody to show. I would hate to oversell it and have mm-hmm. somebody show. I want we we all want everyone to have a great time, right? And we mm-hmm. never there were two hundred people or something at the first one of these, and so I, I didn't ever expect really for a few thousand people in a week to want to go to the lottery party. So um, what about what about like a uh, projector? Like and project yeah, it on a but, wall or something like that. But those things cost uh, a lot of money, right? And mm-hmm. and like right now, because because the tickets are free, there's not really a. Uh, maybe I wasn't sure if they like had one or something. No, so maybe what we could do for next year is we we can think of something like that. We can find a way to finance that. But as of right now, that doesn't really exist. So mm-hmm. um, we are happy for everyone who's downloaded them. If you haven't downloaded them yet, go download your tickets. And if you don't get them. Please be patient. We're we're going to think of something possibly leading up to the lottery party. Um, as far as T-shirts, we finally have our T-shirt designs in. They are fantastic. You're going to love them. They will be up for sale within the next, I would say, uh, three to five days. There will be easily easily the most emo design. Yes. Of- so far, yes, yes, very much. I would agree. I would. Agree. It's very. It reflects the mood of of the the fan base. I would say. <laughs> As we uh, so we have had numerous entries to the LL Pavorsky engagement ring giveaway, which is hilarious and awesome. So as as we've said before, if. Uh, you would like to win an engagement ring from L.L. Pavorsky. The only stipulation is you have to get engaged at the lottery party in front of everyone. Um, we will make it awesome, uh, as awesome as that particular thing could be. If you would like to, uh, if you would like more information or would like to enter, just go to rightstorikisanchez.com. The lottery party section, the L.L. Pavorsky thing is there. The ring is a retail value of like $7,500. It's a beautiful ring, so you can register there. So we had a question about, oh, we, we will do the Rebel photo booth. We'll do the Vlade photo booth at the lottery party. And we're going to return. <laughs> right. I know. I know. I know. I know. Well, I don't even know. The, what Vla- the Vlade photo booth makes me laugh every time. Yeah. Well, it's going to be Because awesome. it came up so naturally in, yep. the, in the second lottery party. Yes. Yeah. People think, cheer for. Oh, yeah. So you, if, for people that – the second lottery party was at Buffalo Wild Wings in the mm-hmm. Northeast. Yep. And – there were like 600 or so people there. Buffalo Wild Wings was very overwhelmed by how many people were there. Uh, yeah, the, there were people in the in the parking lot, and there was overflow into nearby businesses, and they had to right. stop letting people in. Yeah, I had to sneak my brother in, who was in line. He was like, well, I "Don't I get preferential treatment?" Uh, but when during the lottery itself, 
they show every booed everybody. Everybody was booed, as they said, like the representative for the Raptors and for the Cavs or whatever. Everyone was booed. But then Vlade Divac, he must have been like just recently named GM. He was. Of the, uh, was on, on there. And this is pre-pick swap trade. Yes, this is pre-everything. This is not – we, we had he, no reason to, to have good feelings for Vlade except for the fact that he's Vlade. No. But he, they come on screen and everybody cheers for him. It was just the, everybody. It just, it just, there was no discussion about it beforehand. It was just here's Vlade, and everybody just like went wild, and it was great. It was a very warm thing. And then all this stuff happened, the pick swap, right? And then now, now he's now he's the guy. Now we have Vlade booth. Yeah. And so thank you to JP again for, and there will be minor uh, charity donations for both the Vlade and Rebel. Uh, photo booth thing so we'll have more information on that so one more lottery party thing before and if you search twitter and search some of the old liberty ballers posts there are references and confusion about that vlade cheer i think we had a discussion about it on twitter too maybe within a couple of days afterwards and there were some theories as to why it happened more so the, the theory i buy most is that a couple of people did it and everyone else just thought that it was the thing to do and followed along which i mean I, yeah it was I, so organic it was great it was organic so so the last thing is we are retiring sam hinkey's number and uh the process as it were at the lottery party we are raising a giant banner thanks to xfinity live to finding a banner provider so the banner is going to be enormous it is going to be raised to the rafters and then hung on the wall at xfinity live <laughs> it's going to be an unbelievable moment by the way i i think but we got a a question from the actually ll pavorsky's 30 the 33rd writes to ricky sanchez uh, ll pavorsky engagement ring customer and i'll read this question and we can address it uh, in the is the hinky jersey retirement going to be more of a celebration or a funeral type atmosphere i think obviously a celebration would be a lot of fun for all of us and there would be great chance as well i feel like we might get a lot more laughs from a funeral type ceremony where we play taps and salute the jersey when it is raised though we can even yeah. have a, a 21 shirley temple salute or read off hinky's top 21 transactions or something i think it would be hilarious so so your thoughts um I think I I think the funeral stuff is funny. If everybody is like quiet and like sort of like raises their hands, maybe does like a Hunger Games type thing. Right. Um, I don't the twenty the making it more military is a little. I, I think that might be going a step too far. But I think everyone like being like quiet as it gets raised. I think would be would be funny. But I also think I would like a moment where everyone goes nuts because I think. I think I think both things are funny, and I also think it might be hard for us to pull off the everyone silent bit because all it's. Well, I think it's, I think we do everybody silent, and then once it gets to the top, then everybody goes. Then nuts. everybody goes nuts, right? And then so did you? So I actually met and recorded for Matt Duke, that guy that sung the Colangelo. Remember we were talking about the Colangelo uh, American yeah, Pie. Yeah, yeah. All right, yeah, so. Yeah. The song is really long. It's like eight minutes long. Colangelo's Lie. The guy, Matt Duke, great singer, great voice. So, but I he said, didn't write it, right? No, a different guy wrote it. Uh, Pesh, I think his name was. Uh, isn't That's the same as Fish, right? I remember thinking the guy's name was like Fish. Hold on. <laughs> let me find it. Um, written by... Cool, Fl- how, you remember, uh, cool no. how you remember stuff. Yeah. It, was good. it was good to hear that. 
Patrick Resch. Patrick Resch. So I, I met them. They, they sang the, the song on WIP, and then I told uh, Matt Mullen, who wrote the article on Philly Voice, that I could record it better at WIP than the recording they had. So he did a better recording. And I asked the guy, hey, are you interested in singing this at the lottery party? And he had the sort of face that most people have when they don't know what the lottery party is. Um, mm. The well, you just did a nice thing for me, but I don't know what that is, so I'm going to say if I'm busy or not. But clearly, later on, he investigated, and I think he would like to do it. So he would be willing to do it. It might be funny. The Xfinity Live guys th- said they can do a spotlight. It might be funny for him to do two minutes of that song after the explosion um, when Hickey's banner is raised, or so. or while or while it's raised, while it's raised, yeah, yeah. yeah. So. It could be cool either way. Yeah, a lot of options. Option a lot of either. options. All right, so so get your your uh, your tickets to Lottery Party. Write to rickysanchez.com and uh, please be patient as and be good to each other. If you got too many tickets, offer them on Twitter or something. Offer them on Reddit. You know, exchange tickets. Don't fucking. I don't even know if you can put them for sale on like on any. Don't you dare. Um, nobody sell them. So. <laughs> How about this? I'll guarantee there will be no no more ticket. There will be more tickets if anyone dares to sell them. So, all right. So let's talk about the Sixers. Here's oh. here's what I have. Right. Here's what I have on my list. Obviously, you told me you had a rant about the Rookie of the Year. I kind of want to lead off with that. Yeah. I wanted to talk about somebody tweeted me, and I thought it was really uh, a good question. He said, "Can you explain like what?" the process is and what trust the process is because I feel like over the last couple of years it's gotten confused and people don't understand. And I would like to address that at least for a couple of minutes. I wanted- Especially because there's people that are new to the podcast and yeah. haven't listened all along. So I think Absolutely. maybe that's sure. Yeah. Um, I, I want to talk about Nerlens and Dallas and the possibility of a reverse retweet Armageddon. Um, oh wow! Yeah, I know. I, you already know what I'm talking about, don't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Which yeah. is very totally. funny. Yeah. So uh, I had a question that I thought of about a Nerlens versus Robert Covington thing. A lot of people want to hear about your TV show, which, by the way, we never even named during the podcast last time, which is called Trial and Error. So we'll talk about that later. I want to talk oh. quickly about Jake Fisher's piece about Robert Covington, which I thought was really interesting. Oh, and, I haven't read that yet. I've, I've had it tapped. Okay. It's, it's yeah. very, it's very good. And, uh, a quick thing about the Browns, and then if we have any time, I had some great Twitter questions. So, do you want to start off with the uh, Rookie of the Year thing? Because I don't, I don't. Yeah. Even, you wanted to rant about it, but I don't even. We, as I've said, we don't really talk about the Sixers during the week uh, to each other. So I don't know what the rant is about specifically. So why don't you go? Yeah, I'm ready to go. So okay, so the Rookie of the Year is the. <laughs> That's a bad start. All right, here we go. So. People are talking. Let's just a little background. People are talking about Embiid, whether or not he should be Rookie of the Year. He only played 31 games. In those games, he didn't play any back-to-backs. He had a minutes restriction for most, for uh, most all of them. Um, you know, there's Dario Saric, who's played in every game, I believe, and playing good basketball. And there's Malcolm Brogdon, and you can even go. There, people are talking about Brandon Ingram or Jalen Brown, whatever. There's people that are saying there shouldn't be any rookie of the year. I think there was a Tom Ziller post about how there shouldn't be a rookie of the year because it's a bad year for rookies and you should just give them to anybody. Uh, there's basically there's uh, all in all a lot of hot takery around the the subject of of whether or not Embiid played enough games to be rookie of the year and if he hasn't like giving one of these lesser players rookie of the year. Which, as we know, just from the start, is bullshit because Michael Carter-Williams was Rookie of the Year, uh, and he's barely getting minutes. 
on bad teams. Well, and, uh, and real quick, the rookies, the best rookies, go to the worst teams. So, yeah. so, so the odds of them being on a good team are inherently low. We would have this mm-hmm. problem consistently forever. True. Right. So here's the thing. There's, I, I said a little bit with the minutes restriction, and now I'm saying it with this. Like there becomes this groundswell, the snowball effect of like assumption, of like, oh yeah, we always like we've always said that a rookie has to play at least this much ga- many games, at least this many minutes, and they have to be in, appear in this, and they have to play back to backs. Like, what is this bullshit? It's nothing. Stop making up nothing. Rookie of the year should be given to the best rookie. The the best rookie, the most the most impactful rookie. And if if that's not Embiid, who the fuck is it? What's the Okay, so imagine imagine like you're saying that uh you what's the best sandwich of your life? The best sandwich you've ever had. You had like half of one sandwich, but you gave the you split it with your friend. Can we talk about this and instead then the other, actually? Instead of basketball, can we just yeah. talk about sandwiches? Yeah. Okay, all right, keep going. We can. So, yeah. so half of one sandwich, you gave it to your you gave one to your friend, ate the rest yourself. But then this other sandwich, you had all tears, the whole, all of it. So it's like, well, I can't give that half sandwich that was so good. That was the best sandwich of my life. Uh, I'll give it to this one that I just ate more of. It doesn't make any fucking sense. You rookie of the year should be given to the rookie of the year. Like, who is the most? It's not. It's not like it's not the most valuable rookie. It's not the rookie who's played the most minutes. It's not the rookie who has appeared in all of the back-to-backs. It's the rookie of the year, all encompassing. Trump won Times Person of the Year because he was the all-encompassing person, which is true. He talked about him. Everybody talked about him. He should be pushed in the year because he was most talked about. He was the person of the year. Joel Embiid is the rookie of the year. There's nobody else that should be given to just because he didn't play as many minutes. It's bullshit. It's ridiculous. Give him the trophy. Give him all of the trophies, especially if he continues to be injured his whole career and to, to come back after two years and be rookie. It's it's insane that people are thinking, oh, well, he didn't play enough because, as we all know, we have these preconceptions of what, how many minutes. It's, it's nonsense. He is the rookie of the year. He was dominant for the games he played in. Some of them, he looked like a top 20 player already. He's going to be elite if he stays healthy. If you don't give him rookie of the year, then you'll get to have some average ass player on there it's i mean i like dario a lot he's the best but it is nonsense to consider him over Embiid for rookie of the year i don't get it it's not like Embiid is out because he was suspended he didn't do anything he just hurt and he played 31 incredible games better than anybody could have helped one of the best rookie seasons ever this is nonsense i can't believe we're still talking about it of course he should be rookie of the year what the fuck Wow, I think you actually swayed me a little bit on that. Can I offer a little bit of commentary? I think that was well done. That was a well done. It was a lot of curse words, but it was well done. I, you Great. know, curse words show passion. I'm I'm all about curse words in the right places. So, uh, I do think one thing that would support your claim would be imagine this. Imagine this world. Imagine a world in which. Embiid had not played the first half of the season, but did play the second half of the season and performed exactly the same way and played exactly the same number of games. 
there wouldn't be any question that he'd be rookie of the year. Now, there would be some people that would talk about the fact that he missed the first half of the year. But if you flip-flop when these things happened, I think it would be a pretty easy win for Embiid. Nobody would even discuss it. Um, so I think that's the first thing. And that goes back to uh, our buddy Sam, who Hinky, who said, why do you watch games in order, right? <laughs> so maybe what if this is like an arrival and all of the games are happening at the same time, right? You know, time is a flat circle. So... So here's, but here, I do think to some extent that there has to be, oh, and here's another quick thing I'll say. I, I do hate the portion of basketball Twitter that says that these, that the awards don't matter. Cause I think they do matter. I think like, what else are we doing this for? Only one team wins the championship. So the only reason for the rest of the games is the other stuff. And I it's hate also like in history, like you right. will look back in 80 yeah. years and say, who is the rookie of the year that year? Yeah. And I, it'll I, be this. And it won't be like the if someone sees Malcolm Brogdon, who's a very nice player who I like very much, they're going to be like, that's weird. Yeah, I don't I know mean, who that yeah. guy is. Right. If they see Embiid, exactly. they're going to know who that guy is because right. he's going to be the ruler of the basketball world. I, I do think the awards matter in, in so much as anything in basketball matters. Nothing actually matters. So so if we're going to say – you know what I mean? Like I, I, I think all-star games matter. Everything matters and it doesn't, but the rookie of the year matters, so you should consider it. And it'd be so validating for him after two yeah. years, where in which he almost quit basketball. Now I do and he had articles written on the article on the anniversary of his brother's death that totally slammed him. I, if we remember that for a second, yes, I do remember that um, by a certain uh, uh, certain critic, critic of, hoops. of hoops, right? I will say that I do think there is something to you have to somewhere in your mind say. Did he play enough? Because did, I think we could agree yeah, that was like one ten, game, even it was two ten games, games right? But it's still, it's still, yeah, it's still like a that's a sizable chunk of the year. Look, here's what my position is: as long as Brogdon doesn't win, I'm fine with it. If Dario continues to score 25 points a game for the last 20 games of the year, and they give it to Dario, I, I think I would probably be okay with that. I, think, I would also be okay with a sh- with a shared trophy. Yeah, I would be fine with that too. If it's, if it's a Hoxie and Embiid and Dario share the trophy, that would feel good. Yeah, and and, and feel very validating for Hinky and against Matt Moore, who notoriously hated that draft. Right, and I, I would also say that there's something even more processy about Dario winning the Rookie of the Year. I think like winning it over Embiid is also sort of hilarious. So as long as Brogdon doesn't win, who I'm sure is will be a nice player, but is would be the worst rookie of the... I mean, I don't know how many... I haven't looked at the history of rookie of the years, but would be the worst rookie of the year season, at least in terms of impact. Well, he's just such a... He's just such a, like, a role player. He's, he, like, he's the fourth option on the team. Dario and Embiid have both, in turn, been the number one options on this team. Well, and by the way, Milwaukee's not good or anything. I think they're still four or five games under 500, so it's not like they're... I, I don't think Jalen Brown has an argument, but but at least when you're talking about him in terms of the Celtics, you're talking about a team that is that is in contention for a a number one. Oh, I don't th- I don't seed. think that should matter. I don't think the for for MVP sure, but for Rookie of the Year, I I don't think that that. No, should. no, no, no. I, what I'm saying is is he is. It's not like he's the fourth option on a really good. Like the the Bucks aren't good, so you're not giving Brogdon points for them for him being part of a a larger great. He doesn't get any points for being part of something that is much better. Like if you were talking about a team, like I think they only have five more wins than the sitting in the Sixers. So I don't. Uh, I, they they're they're in the eight seed right now. They have eight more wins. 
Oh, okay. Well, they're still under 500, I hope, right? Two games, two games under. Okay, all right. There you go. So whatever. I I think I think it's I would vote for currently constructed. I would vote for Embiid. But if Dario continues to rip shit like he has for the last um, month and a half or month, then I would I would uh, I would not have a problem with Dario. Yeah, I would. I love Dario, and that would be incredible. And any speech he gave would be. Anytime he talks, I laugh so hard. Yeah. Anytime Molly asks him, Molly asks a question. Dario, he hasn't gotten the. And, and some of it, some of it is obviously the language stuff, but some of it is just like he wants to answer the question well. So if he doesn't hear her or doesn't understand, he asks just, again. He yeah. asks again. Yeah. Instead yeah. of just being like, "Yeah, we're you know we're we're a good team. We're just thanks to my teammates and the fans, whatever it is, bullshit." So he like it's so he's still so pure and like untouched. God, I love him. But I would I would give it to Embiid, and, I, and if Dario got it, I would be I would be sad for Embiid. Um, yeah, I I wouldn't be I wouldn't be sad for Embiid. I think he's he's having a good time, but um, but he's having, what, yeah, he's having surgery, right? They they just announced it, kind well, of. They, yeah, they didn't announce it. Keith put it in his article, so I don't. I I think look, there's no way he's not getting surgery, uh, yeah. right? I mean, and wait, my favorite quote on this, I can't believe this wasn't even my rundown. I'm just so sick of talking about it. My favorite yeah. quote on this was Brett Brown saying, like, we're examining all options. Like, what the fuck, man? It's a meniscus. There's not that many options. There's do, an, do a surgery or don't do a surgery. Those are mm-hmm. basically your only options with a meniscus. Like, that's that's it. You can't, you can't, fix it right you can go clean it out or whatever and the surgery itself isn't even that big a deal anyway so uh, the the fact that there's so much hand-wringing over what they're doing and what they're and they're meeting with all the doctors like like do not try to impress me with all the doctors that you're looking at i'm just i'm sick of fucking hearing about it anyway so yeah we've been hearing about all the options for five years yeah so uh, i'm sure he will, as as uh, Chris reminded me, Chris Carlin reminded me again yesterday. He said, "When is your season ticket money due?" I said, "March twenty fourth. He's like, "All right, they'll announce surgery on the twenty fifth, which would not be surprising to me at all. So, um, is Ogafer still healing from his meniscus? He, did he have surgery or no? Yeah, he had surgery a year he, ago. He, he a year, it's supposed surgery, to be yeah. six weeks recovery yeah. for a meniscus. Six weeks. Yeah. All right. Um." Uh, do we want to talk about Nerlens and Dallas or the the process thing? What do you want to do? Um, you know, let's do. Can we do the process thing because the Nerlens thing will lead me to the Nerlens Covington thing, which will lead me to the the Covington thing. Does that? Can we do do it that way? Let's do it. All right. Let's the, do it. the transitions are always much smoother when I announce them before we do them. Yeah, I like. I feel that too. All right, we're gonna cut this part out. We cut every part out, right? Yes. Oh no, I don't cut any parts out. I, I don't cut <laughs> anything. So, who was asking me about it? Somebody was asking me. So who who produces it? Who does the editing on it? I was like me, but there's no editing. <laughs> yeah. There's the only editing is where we go. Well, maybe we should take out the the fact that we waited four and a half minutes to get in touch with that guy that we had yeah. on the, on the right. Okay. So, real quickly, the the process or whatever in 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 history has come to mean exactly what Sam Hinkie did. But that is not what – because that's – people started naming what he did, the process. And, you know, it, it has become bigger than all of us. But the reason mm-hmm. – so, so people have asked me, that, well, how is the process dead if all of these, these players that were the result of it are still here? 
He, but that, that's not what the, the meaning of trust the process meant. Trust the process has nothing to do with tanking or what they did in particular. It has to do with, with, with trusting your means of evaluating how you're going to act over the results because the results don't always – like it, I always bring it back to um, blackjack. You, the, the dealer could be showing a six, right, and you could have a 17, and you could hit and still win the hand, but it doesn't mean it was the right thing to do. And if you don't hit um, and you lose, it doesn't mean the next time you're in that situation you should hit. The, it means that, that you, are, you, have to, you have to, above and beyond results, you have to trust the work that you put into the, the reason you make decisions and continue to make those decisions. So the reason we said that was they keep losing these games and Noel is hurt and this, and we all understood the reason we were making the decisions and the bigger picture because of it. So now, just be and and we use we use it as an adjective now. We say things are processy and like I think it's become it's be, it's become sort of a caricature of itself. But but the the current regime doesn't it does not seem as if to me that they have any sort of bylaws in which they are making decisions and they're making decisions based on reaction and results and that is the wrong way to do it not the right way to do it so when i say or when we say that the process is dead that that's what it means it doesn't mean that joel Embiid is dead or or the the things that were set up for might not succeed there are plenty of general managers in the nba who have succeeded in spite of themselves or and in spite of doing this but mm-hmm. i think we all believed in in why he was doing the things he was doing and were willing to sit through bad things because of it and that's that that's what it is that's what i think it to be and that's yeah you know. losing was a byproduct of the process not the reason the only intent of all of it right and it it um you know something that that people aren't you know we made it about getting a superstar and but one of the other thing one of the other things he did was instead of using those roster spots for veterans he the other thing was his, his whole thing was this is inherently a gamble because it's not picking players is as inexact a science as you can have so you need as many opportunities as you can and that's what he was using those roster spots for and that playing time and that's how we end up with Robert Covington you know, looking at a, a 15 to $20 million a year deal and TJ McConnell being an actual NBA player because... Um, and because and he, all those guys that have found homes elsewhere, Hollis playing major right? minutes on the Pelicans. Right, that's all because of... You, there's no... You don't... Normal teams and m- making decisions and normal even normal tanking teams don't have those roster spots to play with and you don't find things like that and if second round picks and undrafted free agents are a one in 20 gamble well then you need 40 spots to find two of them you know and it's just math that's all it is even the best general managers can't can't pick undrafted free agents you know in in a in any sort of meaningful percentage so so that's what that's about and uh and that's why it's dead so um and then the boat metaphor Oh yeah, the uh, the ship of Theseus is is how many is uh, and you know oh shit I meant to bring this up uh, this guy TJ who lives near me we pass each other running sometimes and is a truster of the process is also a a school teacher like a grade school teacher and he sent me an updated sort of current ship of Theseus things that he uses with his 
with his kids that he says is effective because they don't really understand um, the boat the boat one as much. But um, just Google it. I don't want to explain Ship of Theseus again. And I just stole it from Sean Carroll anyway. So um, I'm not I'm not smart enough to know those things on my own. Um, before we get to Nerlens and Covington, why don't we uh, talk about our sponsor, who is LL Pavorsky Jewelers, located at 707 Walnut, the only sponsor of the Rice to Ricky Sanchez podcast. So we've had 33 of our listeners get engagement rings from LL so far, all very happy. And we received an email from the latest guy, um, who is Covington, right? Because uh, it's 33. So... Uh, I will I will read his review of L of his experience with LL that LL no doubt wrote. My experience with LL <laughs> was as great as I expected after listening to your praise on the podcast and testimonials from other listeners. LL asks you in depth questions so he can really nail down nail down what you're. Uh, looking for and be prepared for your appointment. He then picks the highest quality jewelry that he has available in your budget range and lets you decide the perfect combination of visual appeal, diamond quality, and price. LL definitely wrote this. Every every bit of diamond information is at your disposal, but it's also true. And LL allows you to make the most informed decision possible, which certainly appealed to me as a process and analytics truster. To top it off, uh, we got to talk Sixers, which is an awesome common ground to have with a person that I was meeting for the first time. You'll be sorry to hear that we both have come to terms with the Nerlens trade, despite the the lack of la- the lack of logical thinking, and we're excited to see Rashawn develop. Overall, if you can't trust the Pavorsky, then you're probably a Colangelo. Um, so there you go. Uh, I have not come to terms with the Nerlens trade, and um, and LL has always been a little too high on Rashawn Holmes. But if that's the the only problem with LL Pavorsky, then that's one that you can deal with. Um, you definitely have to, um, you definitely have to make an appointment if you want to talk about engagement rings because it gives him the time to really investigate what you want. If you want to do that, just tweet at L- at LL Pavorsky, send him an email at llpavorsky.com or give the shop a call, 215-627-2252. And as the uh, the exclusive sponsor of the Rice to Ricky Sanchez podcast, LL makes generous donations to the Alzheimer's Association of the Delaware Valley and the National Coalition Against Domestic Violence in our name. LL Pavorsky Jewelers. Always hanging from the rafters of your heart. Oh, I like that one. Is that new or have you used that one before? No, I think it's new. Okay, good. All right, so let's talk about Nerlens real quick. So Nerlens. Before uh, we get to Nerlens, yeah. Christ- Christian Wood had 14-5 and five last night in a win. I just wanted you to know that. Just keeping tabs on everybody. Is he on the Hornets now? Yeah. Okay. Boy, that, that situation's gone bad rather quickly. Right. Yeah. Well, look, any situation that Christian Woods getting major minutes, yeah. it's a good situation for me. You're right. A bad situation for the team, but good situation for you. That's right. So Nerlens, so the 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 Mavericks won again last night. Nerlens did not play due to knee soreness, but in the games that he has played since they traded for Nerlens, they are five and one. They are six and one overall since they traded for Nerlens. Nerlens looks great. I think in that last game he had eleven points, twelve rebounds, and three blocks. He's fitting in perfectly there. Um, but the, the idea of a, so I joked, I remember when I was on the air, when they traded for Nerlens at WIP, I sarcastically said, oh yeah, we'll get the pick. What are they going to do? Go 24 and one the rest of the year and we get the pick. (laughs) If they, if the Mavericks only lose that one game for the rest of the (laughs) year (laughs) and, and we get the 19th pick, is there a reverse retweet Armageddon? That oh, on us. 
Yes, on us. Oh, we'd have to we have to work out that de- shirt design again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, like a self-effacing shirt design like yeah. yeah and we'll have to do a new chant what it'll be it'll be like one four nineteen right it'll, we would because we'll have the 19th pick it'll be would be amazing i i'm not super worried about them winning out right uh but i i mean people are uh i think you have been like hey don't don't look at the box score people have been like oh he's playing really well it's sad it's like no i want him to play well i yeah. want him to kick ass yeah, well, I wanted to do so well in Dallas, and it justifies it justifies what we thought. By the way, it yeah. made a better chance of being right. Yeah, I mean he's he's just he's just very good, and I, I they have a bunch of good like decent guys on Dallas. It's like they're they're a fun team to watch. Like they're there's like they're always kind of like scrambling, and then there's like Dirk like lumbering up the court and like he hit thirty thousand points. He's the sixth sixth highest scorer of all time. I bet you have a Dirk take. Uh, I like Dirk a lot. I think he's actually oh. historically underrated. I would take him over Carl Malone, Barkley. I I think may, maybe this is just my life bias, but I'm old enough. I'm 40, so I saw plenty of Carl Malone and Charles Barkley. I mm-hmm. think historically, Kevin Garnett and Dirk Nowitzki are actually really underrated, and yeah. I think that they are. I think if you were to ask me, you could pick two power forwards to start your team at their. And knowing what you know now, I would rather have Kevin Garnett and Dirk Nowitzki than Charles Barkley and Carl Malone. So, um, hmm. yeah, I like Dirk. I and I think, dude, has there ever been a guy that's just hanging around long as, as long because he he enjoys playing and he enjoys the guy can't walk. He can he can barely run and he definitely can't walk because his knees are in such bad shape. Um, yeah, my Dirk take is that I like him. I like Dirk. Yeah, great, good take. Yeah. Um, but I, I mean, I hope that Nerlens just kicks ass. He's and he's yeah. doing great. And I would, I mean, there's that that battle for the eighth spot in the West is very intriguing to me because there's a bunch of like likable teams that I would like to see get in there. Denver is probably the best of them, um, but like getting um, Portland in there would be probably the most boring i would say even though they're probably the best players and then minnesota's been surging a little bit it'd be cool to get minnesota in there and, and then new orleans, new orleans doesn't really but new orleans it. is yeah. five games back yeah i don't know well and i don't have they won a game with boogie in the game yet they, they uh, i think, the I think only they game, won one yeah okay because i thought the only game they won was a game that he was suspended but maybe they've won two total since they traded for him so yeah that um yeah, that is sort of an interesting race to get clobbered, I guess, but um, but a race none. I don't know with Durant, with Durant out. If you get somebody in there, well, it's also because if Durant if Golden State doesn't land the one seed because the Spurs are right behind them. Oh right, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll have to have closer to the end of the season. We'll have to have another MVP talk. I think we did an MVP talk in our season preview podcast. We'll have to revisit toward the end of the year. Um, Covington. So I've, I. The best. Yeah. So before we get to Jake's thing, and I'll sort of outline what's in there, you should definitely read it. I think it was really good. Um, and mostly because I like Covington, and it's a, a positive Covington article. But I thought it, it offered some really good insight into how he got good. I was mm-hmm. thinking again about the – I was I was having a, uh, a thought to myself about – I only think about two things. Uh, <laughs> I think about hypothetical situations about the Sixers, and I think about whether or not we're living in a simulation. Those are the only two things I ever think about in my free time. So, okay, man. What's that? I said, okay, man. Yeah. So what if, you know, what, 
what if Brian Colangelo just f- take it at its face value, just just for the for the for the end of it? What if Brian Colangelo in his Nerlens Noel thing was thinking long view, right? And he thought to himself, "Well, I know I'm going to sign this guy. I know I'm going to max Embiid. Um, I'm really going to have to choose if, if I'm going to pay one guy seventeen to twenty million a year based on this timing. I'm going to have to choose between Covington and Nerlens Noel." And mm-hmm. I'd rather do it with Covington. And that offers, forgetting about whether he was actually doing that or not, because I don't think he was. Maybe, yeah, we're, maybe we're, assuming, we're assuming that he was. That's, this yeah. is the assumption. Yeah. I'm asking you, if you only have the cap room, um, and, and just you have to know what you know about Embiid right now. You don't know anything more or anything less. Yeah. Would you give $18 million a year for four years to Robert Covington or, or Nerlens Noel? Well, I think that Nerlens would cost more. I think Covington but, will cost less. But, but we're say, assuming that it would be the same. Yeah, let, let's say let's say at least the world that they're living in is exactly the same. So, and remember, Baysmore now now it's not the same year, right? Like part of why Baysmore got so much so much money was because everyone had all that cap space, and it doesn't look like that's going to happen again, again because too many teams spent to get to that cap, and, it, and it's not going to take the same sort of jump the next couple of years. Uh, but let's, for argument's sake, say that they are in the same range. Which guy would you, ra- which guy would you rather keep? Um, probably Covington. Yeah. It's pretty interesting, isn't it? It's a real th- I go back and forth. I think um, you think to yourself— well, he just keeps getting he keeps getting better, right? On both on both ends. I know the shot is you know touch and go. Although it's been a very solid like thirty eight, thirty nine percent in two thousand seventeen, uh, but just he keeps adding dimensions to his game, and I li- I like I like him, and I think as much as much as Rashawn isn't ready to be as good as Nerlens and might and likely will never be, um, you at least have something there to 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 back up. And he is super athletic and bouncy, so hopefully, like he could get reasonably close. Um, but Covington is really the true like two-way wing, and for as much talk of of like three and D wings as there are, yeah, there really aren't that many. Um, I was gonna say I, that. I, I, yeah, I want to see Covington play with Simmons. I mean, just a lot of. I think I think we're really scraping the surface. I think I I I would go Covington as much as I love Nerlens and think he will continue to get better and will and will shine in Dallas. I think you I think you you got to we're gambling on Embiid anyway, you know. Right. We're gambling if if he's hurt and doesn't play, then I don't think I think this team is still you know we'll see what happens in this draft, but still a big piece away. So I think uh, I think you just go. You just go after that and get and bring in Covington, keep the guy who can, who can be like a very good player on both ends. As much as Nerlens is also, just a, at a more position of need. So I, I want to read you off uh, Covington's stats: January, February, March. Right in uh, January, Covington shot thirty six percent from three, thirteen points a game, seven rebounds a game. In February, he shot thirty nine percent from three. 16.8 points a game, 7.7 rebounds. And then in, in March so far, five games, he has shot 44% from three, 16 points, six boards, one and a half assists. Like that is, like since January, he's been, 
basically a a, a near like you said a near forty percent three point shooter, and his defense has gotten so good that um, like even non us people are talking about it. And mm-hmm. he's he's really and I, you know one of the other things that has happened with him we've talked about his improved defense, and, but his improved offense not just in shooting like in finishing around the rim a little bit and not mm-hmm. looking quite as spastic when he dribbles the ball and drives he's he's become a much better cutter uh, mm-hmm. off the ball I just I think he, he it's really amazing to see him I think he's 26 is that how how old he is yeah um, yeah, yeah tw- like continuing to get better like that is impressive and what Jake's Jake Fisher's article, which is on Sports Illustrated, um, talked about was how this happened and uh, how Covington has become sort of obsessive about watching film and um, watching tendencies and knowing where people are going to go. So after every game and before every game, he studies the people that he's going to guard and watches what they do in every different position on the floor so he can know where to position himself. And the reason that that is so... And it talked a lot about his off-season regimen to get into better shape um, so he can... Because when you're... you know, as one, you know, one of the things you notice is that the dominant offensive players sometimes suffer on defense because the, when they're... When they're that dominant, you, you only have so much energy, and it's only mm-hmm. with the truly elite players that can do things on both sides. But he's being tasked on guarding like basically the best wing or guard or point guard on the other team almost every game, um, and he's getting stronger, you know, and getting more accurate. So it talked about his offseason regimen. But the the thing I thought was the most interesting about him studying tendencies and tape, and I'm sure like. You know, there was a great Matt Moore piece about Andre Iguodala's defense a, a couple of years ago. When yeah, Iguodala, I still remember it. Yeah, and it reminded me of that. But the difference between Iguodala and Covington is Iguodala is like a plus-plus-plus athlete, and Covington is not. And I think one of the things that is most impressive to me is his ability, because his lateral foot speed is not that great, but he's still able to guard um, quicker guards. And it has to be because of his studying. It has to be because he knows their tendencies and like he's almost gambling all the time. Like, well, I think this guy's going to go this way, so I'm going to position myself this way or be ready to go here, you know? And if he doesn't do that, then I'm cooked. But a lot of it has to do with his study and his, um, you know, I, I just, I thought it was like a real eye opener into how hard a worker he's been. Now you have to hope after, this is the hope after I think it's just sort of a human tendency, not just an athlete tendency, that after he gets paid, um, you know, he's been on a, basically like a, a, you know, the hinky special, the million a year uh, deal. You have to hope that after he's making 15 and 16 million, he keeps that obsessiveness and that hunger going to get even better. But assuming he does, I mean, uh, he's, uh, boy, I like... And I've I've n- I never have come off the Covington train since he got here. I've like I've no. been through thick and thin, but he is much better than I thought he could have been, and I think he can be even much better than I think we can even imagine at this point. He's great, man. Yeah. I love him, and and uh, he getting booed and like hanging in there. Yeah, he's a, he's a Philly athlete. I love him. He's the best, and he's also a good rebounder. We'll talk about that. Enough. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what do you have? Twenty-four think, and thirteen against Portland. I think. Yeah, he. Uh, I think will. I think Derek talked about this in one of his Patreon articles, to which I subscribe. 
Uh, uh, you mean Derek? I, I said one day that Derek's new nickname after Godner should just be the paywall. So, <laughs> Derek paywall. <laughs> right, yeah. Uh, about when Simmons come back and, and who, who we should cover. And I think because, you know, Covington's a good rebounder, but also, but Simmons is, is potentially an, like an, an elite rebounder. Um, so I think Covington will still, even though Covington can play down on the low block, I think you're still going to want him on the best perimeter offensive player and let Simmons play the play the four um and get the rebounds and and, and be able to like catch and go and push but it's, yeah. I mean it's exciting to it's exciting to think about man I know we've been doing this for so long we've been doing the like wait wait for like our players to get here uh and just you know it's when it when this happens that'll be great right like yeah but it only happened it, it all happens briefly and never at the same time yeah exactly <laughs> but I mean theoretically a lineup with Covington and Simmons and Bede should be elite on both ends of the court. Yeah. Like there's no weakness there. So I, I, you know, it's, we'll see, we'll see. We'll see. Something's going to go wrong. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> speaking of, speaking of rebounding though, we haven't talked about it. Sean Long. Oh, Good yeah. for Sean Long. Yeah. I'm happy with him. He, he was, a, he was an incredible rebounder at Louisiana Lafayette played with your boy, Alfred Payton, uh, broke, uh, broke Ben Simmons foot. You know. foot. I uh, I definitely want to give Sean Long like a shot because you see what Alan Williams is doing in Phoenix. Like rebounding translates. When you're a good yeah. rebounder, it translates from level to level. So there's I mean, and that's the thing with Okafor is that he can't rebound and he can't defend. So Sean Long's not a rim protector, but at least he was get he is getting rebounds on both ends. So it's that's give him a shot let him play let him get out there justin harper let's let him get out there hit a couple shots see if he's anything i love it this is as much as so the sixers are in la today and tomorrow and as much as i'm i was planning on going to both games and now i'm protest not going to either um but as as much as it's it's frustrating time of year like 10 days couple guys scrubs getting shots this is my time of year man this is this is me this is this is the best we're losing we're losing games we're rooting for the kings to lose the pick swap is looking brighter and brighter this is i mean we're in prime live-in territory right now the march madness is coming up like i mean we're feeling good yeah we we had a lot of uh, when i was um you know there are people that have been asking about big boards and all that kind of stuff i just we do so much there's so much of that once the season ends there's two full Mm -hmm. months of it i just I think, and I'm so uneducated about any of it right now. I, if we if we don't, because a, a couple of people mentioned doing bring now now that the games are worse. Um, I mean, sort of worse at least. Uh, people have brought up bringing relationship advice back. We have there are times and places during the Ricky year for all of these things. So we will have plenty of time for big boards and and prospect watch once that happens. So and more and, and more guests in the off season. Yeah, more guests in the off season. So, uh, you know, one quick thing, obviously the the Paul D Podesta who is on some level the original Hinky um, pulled off a very Hinky like trade and a very un NFL trade where he took on Brock Osweiler's salary of $16 million to get a second-round pick out of the yeah. Houston Texans. Anytime and, anybody makes a smart deal now, it's becoming Hinky-esque. Well, it does sort of... The, the, the one, the one um, criticism of... The, the only, I never heard anybody mention what I believe was the only valid criticism of 
I believe there are two valid criticisms of what Hinky did. Um, valid criticism number one is that, you know, everybody said, oh, do you want to be the Hawks? Well, you know, at a certain, it, I, I can imagine a world where you, you can say, do you want to be the, the Hawks? But part of that is because the, Atlanta is such a bad sports town. Because like, the Grizzlies are sort of the Hawks, too, on some level. And they seem to be having a great time with it. Right. I mean, like there are plenty of NBA cities where the team has where the city has a great time with a 50 win team. And those Mm -hmm. Hawks, by the way, could wind up with I mean, uh, Joe Johnson could very Joe Johnson could easily make the Hall of Fame and Al Horford could easily be considered for it. And they had like, you know, I I don't I don't know, like they they weren't that bad. So the, the first criticism is, hey. A 50-win team isn't so bad every year. You know, I'd rather watch that than take mm-hmm. along. And that is related to the other criticism, which I believe is that the the other valid criticism is that the chances of winning a championship are so small and the difference between being smart about it and being dumb about it is so small that watching basketball this bad for three or four years isn't worth it. And I, I think that, that you could say if doing it Sam Hinkie's way, you have a 12% chance of winning a championship and being dumb about it, you have an 8% chance of winning a championship or a 7% chance. You could make the argument, eh, it's still a shitty chance. I'd rather not watch basketball that bad. And if, if, if that's what you're saying, then that's fine. But the Browns thing sort of brings into the notion that I think sometimes we've gotten a little – I think people that watch sports in general have become a little too obsessed with like the championship or bust mentality. And that's, you know, what, that's what Silver said? Is that, that's what you think? No, that, that's what I think a little bit. I, I think well, Silver, Silver yeah. also said that at Sloan. That yeah, I, I, it's ridiculous for every team to try to – basically it's ridiculous for every team to be obsessed with winning a championship. It seems kind of like nonsense. But. Well, I, I, think, I, I think part of it is – I think there are so many things to enjoy in sports – and games and seasons to enjoy that don't end in a championship. And I think sort of we've become this, there's like this binary um, binary choice that is not binary in that like there are only two, there's only winning a championship and not winning a championship. And I, I, can, I can respect that attitude, but I also think that attitude is like makes for a lot of misery and we're, sports are supposed to be something that you enjoy. Now, we have been – we, I, we. when I say you, I mean you, me, and the people that listen to this podcast have found mm. joy in, in – the like we have had fun during the last four years. But I understand that most normal people don't watch a 10 and 72 team and are like, we're doing the right thing. Like I, I get that. I just think that there is a world in which if you're supposed to watch sports to have fun and enjoy it, that – when most teams don't win a championship, that like there is a world in which you should be able to enjoy sports and build a team and have a smaller chance of winning a championship, but a larger chance of enjoying it on a day-to-day basis that I enjoy. And I think the NFL is weird in that I almost think like I understand what Podest is doing and I think it's smart and I hope it wins because there are a lot of people that are like, not a football guy, nerd, blah, 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 blah. But football, there's so much parity in football, and it's so much different than basketball that one player, Andrew Luck has shown that one player can only take you so far. 
And you only really need to be, you know, the Ravens team that won the Super Bowl and those Giants teams and the foot in football, it's the best team definitely does not always win. And in basketball, most of the time, the best team wins. So so it it seems like a uh, it seems like a, a less complete strategy in football than it is in basketball, my thought would be. But who knows? Yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess I've always the reason, and I've, we've talked about this a million times, but the the reason why this, no one's ever said tanking or the you know our, our version of the process is right for every team. No one's ever said that, and that was like that's like the straw man argument that people have propped up against us. Uh, it just worked. It was just right for the Sixers because they were aimlessly wandering around doing nothing for the years after. Iverson got us to the finals and then they were bad for a while. So it was just like, Hey, we should do this because this makes the most sense. And we have had fun uh, over the last few years. It it hasn't been any, it hasn't been any, uh, I don't think it's been any less painful. It's been more interesting and, and more like sharp stabby knives in the rib section, but it's been no less aggravating than, you know, the Eddie Jordan year or, plenty of like jim o'brien yeah sure carousel whatever the those worthless years um so i don't know i i I didn't like the quote from silver about you should be like i I don't remember the exact quote but my head remembers it as like teams like obsessed as championship robust it's like no that's what it should be you should be telling your teams win a championship at all costs because that's the most competition teams that are just like "Eh, we're good with the seventh seed and you know who knows what could happen so I I think that I hate I hate that shit. So uh, I don't know. I keep going back on Adam Silver because he did you know shadily get Colangelo in here. Oh yeah, David with David Stern, but also he seems like a, a decent enough guy. Yeah, yeah, he's hard. He 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 uh, he started off it. You know, if you start off your your reign by getting rid of the evil racist owner, like you're starting off from such a you have such a, a lead in the in the in the yep. race, you know, it, mm-hmm. it, it will take a lot of shitty quotes to bring him back to earth. But, um, all right. So before I want to take a couple Twitter questions before we do, I want you to talk about trial and error. I want you, there's your, uh, I, I just call it your show because in my head it's your show, but, uh, but it debuts this week, right? After yeah. Tuesday night. Yeah. So Tuesday night at 10 PM there you after go. the finale of this is us. The name of the show is once again, Trial and Error. And it's a, uh, a comedy, right? It's a comedy. It's like a mockumentary kind of deal. Tonally similar to like a darker version of Parks and Rec. It's a send-up, like, like making fun of, sort of poking fun at uh, tr- the true crime genre. So stuff like The Jinx and Making a Murderer. And if anyone's ever seen the documentary The Staircase, which is fantastic and you should watch it. It's on YouTube. Uh, the Staircase is incredible. It is very, very similar to The Staircase. Um, it's, it was really fun to write for, but, uh, uh, so it's about John Lithgow who was in a bunch of stuff. He was just in, uh, the crown on Netflix where he played, uh, what's his name? What's his name? I don't know. The, uh, uh, the big English guy, the, whatever. Fuck you. What's his name? I don't, I don't know. I was going to say, while you're looking it up, Winston I'll, Churchill, I didn't okay, even look it up. Go. Winston Churchill. Okay. Um, Big hist- big history buffs, me and you. Um, so yeah, he's he plays a guy who 
um, might have he's on trial for the murder of his wife. There's not there's, this isn't obviously this podcast supports the National Coalition Against Domestic Violence. The joke isn't that murdering your wife is funny. Uh, just to get that out there right now, it's it's a, just more making fun of those kinds of shows. Right. Um, so and then Nick D'Agosto, who plays in Masters of Sex, he was in Heroes. He's been in a bunch of stuff. Very sweet guy. He's the lawyer who has to come down from New York to defend him. And it's a show set. It's set in South Carolina. Um, we actually with the TV Guide released a list of the best shows set in each state. Um, and we, as the only show ever set in South Carolina. Uh, we're the best, even though we haven't premiered yet. We are the best show. <laughs> set in That's a big thing. Um, and it said, so it's set in town, South Carolina, similar to Pawnee, um, sort of quirky town like that. Um, and yeah, Sherry Shepard's in it. Jamie Mays, who is in Glee, is in it. Um, Andy Daly, who's in Review, is in a couple episodes. Uh, Fred Melamed is in a couple episodes, who is in a single, uh, a serious man. And uh, Curb Enthusiasm, among other things, uh, it's good. It's a it's a funny uh, sort of reverent. It'll it'll it might be too dark for some people, but it's definitely different than like most network shows. I would say that the Grinder was also, but this is also a d- different kind of network show, not sort of like a laugh track uh, sort of thing. So, uh, thirteen episodes. The first of the, so the first uh, two episodes will air on Tuesday. So back to back, the first two episodes. Yeah. Um. And then every week there'll be it'll the first week is ten o'clock and ten thirty, and then the, the after that it'll be nine o'clock uh, and nine thirty on on Tuesdays. So in between, I think the Voice and this is or something like that. I think after the Voice. Uh, so yeah, watch it. Support me. I wrote the I co-wrote uh, episode eight, and and I really I announced on Twitter, but I can announce it now also. There is more than one basketball scene in that episode. Whoa! All right, that was fun. Yeah. yeah, I don't know if I'm allowed to say it, but I'm saying it anyway. No one listens to this podcast from NBC. Um, I bet somebody from NBC listens to the podcast, actually. But yeah. I, it's somewhere. There has to be, right? Yeah, man. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and yeah, 13 episodes. Each each season will be another case. So this, so in the same way that True Detective, not not like True Detective, but uh, this 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 case gets wrapped up at the end of this season. Um, and then next season we'll have a new case. So hopefully there's next season. So also, uh, if the show gets good ratings and we get a second season, th- I, there will be m- a much higher chance of me being able to come to the lottery party. So that is incentive for you to watch. If you want to see me at the lottery party, watch the show. Right. Everyone watch the show. And I would like to say that my favorite John Lithgow role ever was his part in the Twilight Zone movie. I don't know if you ever saw that, but it's awesome. Mm-hmm. So, and then and the guy who played who played uh, that monster in the Twilight Zone uh, is also in the show, and they act they were they were in a scene together for the first time since that Twilight Zone movie. You're lying, really? God, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. That's great. And it's news. in it's in my episode actually. Oh wow, are you being serious? That really happened. Yeah, it really happened. They both like realized it at once. It was a very cool moment. Uh, wow, that's really cool. I think that Twilight Zone movie is sort of underrated. Actually, is a is a weird movie. Uh, mm-hmm. And a, by the way, a movie I watched on the plane, which I don't know how I missed uh, as a lover of space movies, is Sunshine, a Danny Boyle movie, which is awesome. If you if yeah. you like space movies, it's a good space movie. So quick, uh, some quick Twitter questions before we get out of here from 
at TWJD. I didn't renew season tickets because of the front office. Was this the right call? Um, everyone has to make that call on their own. I don't think there is a right or a wrong call. I think yeah. one, one of the things that bothers me the most about having problems with your home basketball team is I love the NBA and I want to watch it in person. And this is the only way that I can do it unless I'm going to drive to another city uh, f- for two hours. So mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't think it's the wrong call. I don't think it's the right call. It was your call. And as long as you feel good about it, it's the right call. Yeah. And you can hate uh, ownership while i won't begrudge you for not paying them for anything but you can hate ownership while also liking the team right like the fact that the fact that josh harris met with the president is you know doesn't make him sparkle in my eyes so right you know hopefully hopefully they sell the team um from homer 2680 i'm going to las vegas do you have any recommendations don't go would be my recommendation don't like i don't like las vegas or Go, do, if you're going for March Madness, park, park yourself at a sports book and just watch all the games. I, actually, this would be my recommendation. Two nights is plenty. Two nights is plenty. Yeah. Plenty. That's, that's, that's not bad, yeah. yeah. Uh, from Philly Chilla, is TJ's hair the same exact hair as Ken, Barbie's boyfriend? Yes, it is. It doesn't move. It, he's got more product in it than I've ever seen an NBA player have in his hair, and I respect it. Go TJ. I love it. Uh, K. Hall. Oh, at a, at a, sorry, at a, the Arizona game last night. Actually, both at both both days of the Pac-12 tournament, um, a guy at Arizona or in the Arizona section was wearing a Sixers T.J. McConnell jersey uh, and wow. kept getting on screen. It was great. And final one from Unemployed Gen Y, which could might might as well be every uh, podcast listener. Um, haha, get it because all of our listeners are in Generation Y. Uh, what would you do about Embiid's contract situation? Give him all the money. Yeah, unless um, when do you have to when when do you have to extend him by if you want to extend him? Is there a deadline? Um, I feel like it's like isn't it like October thirty first. I don't know. I don't know. I I, I mean. Like the day before the season or something. Yeah, always. if if he's not ready to play next year for some reason, I, I don't know. You have to. I mean, uh, I'd just do it. I would do it. I would just do it. Or or take him to a restricted free agency and then let him whatever. But yeah, I don't. I don't mind just being like this is the guy. All or nothing. Yeah, it's uh boy. It would have been a, a lot easier to make that call um, a month ago. Yeah. Uh, Derek did this fun graph that where he made up all the percentages but it was uh it was behind a paywall so you might not have seen it but i saw uh, it. it was a not you i just mean listener uh it was basically about like our expectation of joel Embiid's long-term health versus the actuality of his long-term health and yeah. it was funny in january like the expectation was like 95 percent sure um, and the expectation now is like nine percent sure, but the reality is the whole time it's been about forty percent. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like so, um, would have been a lot easier. And, and I was definitely not ninety-five percent. Every time Embiid was on the court, I was worried. So let's yeah. not say I wasn't. I wasn't riding high cloud nine with no concerns. It was always like this is about to happen. It's funny you mentioned that uh, when I was watching. I was when I was watching a Sixers game with Wright's uh, uh, Ricky Sanchez. Um, uh, intro song writer and performer Amos Lee, he said he almost couldn't watch Embiid all the time because of his fear that he was going to get injured. Yeah, like it was yeah. uncomfortable for him to watch 
the entire that. time. Yeah, which I during I I remember exactly where I was during the when the Portland game happened. I was I went out to like either like throw the trash out or something. I went out during the game, and I walked back in as Embiid dunked and landed weirdly on his oh, wow. on his legs. I, literally, I saw it from like the corner of my eye as I walked into my apartment and. Like it was because I knew then and I, I knew then and then you think and you thought and like immediately the Tony Roten corollary came into my mind. Yeah. And, uh, it was, you know, God. All right. And then they played him against Houston. It's going to get sad again. Well, I was there. I was there at that. And oh, you were there. Yeah. So if it becomes the thing that ruins his career, then I, I know <laughs> I was at both games that ruined his career. So. Uh. Yeah, I know. Uh, and that was remember the Portland game we won without him at the end with a, a Covington game winner which was unbelievable and the Houston oh, right. and the Houston game was the game after he didn't get named to the All Star team and just went nuts on on he was incredible that game yeah, yeah. he started off with like a it was, it was a nationally televised game he started off with like a running dunk on Nene yeah and then Nene dunked on him it was awesome yeah. the, Nene and Bede was all right I got to wrap it up I got to get out of here so. Um, Get your lottery party tickets. Uh, keep an eye out for T-shirts. Be good to each other, and that's about it. The rice and re- watch trial and error Tuesday night Tuesday, at ten o'clock. Ten o'clock, NBC after the finale of This Is Us. There you go. Wipe away those tears and get ready to laugh tears of joy. Right? You're gonna right. wipe away. The- also, also people said uh, apparently um, on New Girl they said trust the process. Did you see that? No. People were tweeting at us. Uh, I, I do not and have never wrote for New Girl, but I did develop a pilot with Jake Johnson, and I know that he is a basketball fan. Uh, he's a Bulls fan, so he might uh, might he have might done be referencing it, it right. by, I think, but not not because of not directly because of me. You know what's funny is you just said develop the pilot, which I know what it means, but in my I started to think, what if he means develop an actual pilot? Like a oh. person, you know, like what yeah. if they got a guy at birth and they were yeah, like, that'd be different. We're going to turn this guy into a pilot. All yeah, right. That'd be a good show. Yeah. Uh, the Rice to Ricky Sanchez podcast is brought to you by L.L. Pavorsky Jewelers, where Rice to Ricky Sanchez listeners go and get engaged. 707 Walnut in Philly, always at LLPavorsky.com. Are you down with TTP? Oh, I can't wait until June when you can finish that. All right. See ya. That, that's for the Okafor trade, right? Yeah. Anyway, yeah that's now I already forgot. I already forgot. All okay. Right. See ya. Goodbye. All right. Later. Like I said, the